Ladies and gentlemen, it's another week. 61 episodes in, and we're going to try something different. This may be the coolest concept we've come up with in the history of this show. Then again, it may also be the worst, and there's only one way to find out, and that's stick around and join us for episode 61 of The Convince Me Show. Welcome in, everybody. Like I said, episode 61. Welcome to Convince Me. I am your host, Andy Rutherford, joined as always by my highly esteemed co-host, Mr. Brian Bennett, Mr. Casey O'Rod. Gentlemen, how goes it? I've got a serious question for both of you. Are we the only three people that were not released by the WWE this week? Close. <laughs> I think everybody else was. I say what you will of those people that got released for the next three months, though, they're set because they make the same amount of money to sit at home and do nothing under the no compete clause. So that's kind of nice. I'm living the dream. I'd love to sit here for a few months and not do anything and still make the same amount of money. Um, but anyway, <laughs> welcome to uh, the show. Uh, for those of you who might be joining us for the first time, first of all, welcome. Second of all, where the heck have you been? And third of all, this is not going to be your typical show you're going to get from us, but I do think it's going to be fun. Uh, and I will explain the concept here momentarily right after the weekly shill. I'm going to start the weekly shill a little different. Nominations for the podcast awards have closed. Big thank you to everybody that took the time to go nominate us. Uh, to find out if we're one of the official nominees, uh, those results come out on Sunday. If I had to bet money on it, I'd say we're not. But, hey, crazier things have happened. Um, trust me, if we are, you will hear all about it. Um, but, anyway, thanks to those that did. Of course, make sure you guys are following us on all of our social medias. Uh, probably our most active None, and I'm going to say this, none of our social medias have been as active lately, and that falls a thousand percent on my shoulders. So I'm publicly calling myself out here to be better. We're going to be better, and by we, I mean I. And if we're not, at least you know who to blame, and for once it's not Elrod. But check us out, facebook.com slash convince me show. That's where you can find us on the book of faces. Uh, Twitter, we are at convince me show. Instagram, convince me show. And then, of course, our YouTube channel, tinyurl.com slash convince me show. That's where you're going to find every single episode uh, in video format in its entirety. Make sure you go check us out over there. So here we are, gentlemen. Before I explain to the fine people this concept, uh, do you think this is going to be a hit or a miss? Swing and a miss. Just a bit outside. That's my prediction. I'm terrified of what the topics are going to be, actually. I'm <laughs> stressing all the nothing done at work today. What if we have the same topic? Somebody did we can not, argue who's better. Somebody did not <laughs> listen to me in the I did not. we started recording. <laughs> well, gee. Uh, <laughs> this will be great. I said, if we happen to have the same topic, here's our backup plan. That's exactly what I said. I, I don't know what the backup plan this is. is. This is the most organized uh, podcast in the history of podcasts. <laughs> yeah. I love mm. it. it. Okay. Mm. It was on this Zoom call, for those of you that don't know, um, <laughs> two minutes before I hit record. I specifically answered that question. But uh, now you understand why this show's late all the time. Now you understand all these issues we have. That's no blame on me. Hey, somebody hey, hey, doesn't hey. listen. Um, but anyway, <laughs> the premise of this show, when it started, Mr. O'Rod is an attorney, licensed attorney. I am what I like to call an unlicensed attorney, um, as I have graduated law school um, 
took the bar, didn't go my way, and I haven't really gone back and done that yet. But for my personal issues aside, uh, and Mr. Bennett is uh, a very good, graf- a very good <laughs> graphic designer that can argue. So um, that that's the concept of this show kind of came courtroom format with the attorney thing. And for any of those of you that may not know, a lot of times attorneys – Everybody they represent is not somebody that comes into their office. A lot of times they have to represent someone, especially in, in criminal cases. Uh, they get appointed by the court. The court says, hey, you're going to represent this person. Um, and sometimes attorneys don't really know anything about that case other than maybe a quick look through the file right before they have to go up and represent this person uh, in a courtroom setting. So we're calling this episode, and if it's a hit, we'll do more of these. I'm going to be optimistic, and I'm going to say volume one. We're calling this the appointed cases episode. Each one of us have two topics in our heads to which the other two have no idea what they are. And we will take turns going around, and I will, for example, the example I gave these two gentlemen, say, I say, all right, our topic is what's better, hot dog or hamburger? Elrod, you're arguing for hot dogs. Bennett, you're arguing for a hamburger. And they have no idea that they're arguing for that point until I say it, and then it's time to go. Um, No research for this show. They don't have time to research unless they're really, really quick on the Google phone. Um, so that should make things a bit interesting. Gentlemen, are you ready? Let's do it, Your Honor. Somewhat. All right. (laughs) The first question, the first topic for tonight. I'm trying to figure out which one of the two I want to do first. I think I know which one I want to do first. All right. Yeah, I'm going to go with this. Recently, the NCAA changed their rules in regards. I should also add in. I should also add in. These can cover anything. They're not narrowed down to any specific topic. So these could go all over the place tonight. Uh, My two topics have absolutely nothing to do with each other. So, but anyway, the NCAA recently changed the way they've thought for decades and have allowed players to profit off of their likeness, even while they're still an amateur at the collegiate level. Digging a little deeper into that, gentlemen, a few years ago, we were all alive. We were all there. We saw the great run of the USC Trojans, the Heisman Trophy win, of Reggie Bush that was subsequently taken away from him for things that would now be completely fine. He had things to, he had his Heisman taken away. USC had wins taken away. So the argument I am presenting to you gentlemen tonight is should Reggie Bush have his Heisman trophy given back to him and in conjunction with that should USC's wins that were stripped be given back to them arguing on behalf of yes he should get it back and the win should go back will be Bennett arguing against the fact of should he be given his Heisman Trophy back and the wins be given back will be argued by Mr. Elrod. So I should have thought of this beforehand to determine who goes first. I'm get, I'm killing a little bit of time to give you all a second. Oh, actually, I'm not doing it for you all. I'm doing it to pull something up, but it gives you all a second um, to think about what some points of your argument might be. As I will, oh, come on, no way, blah, blah, blah. All right. Where are we at here? This is not good. 
Yeah, no joke. All right. Let's do this. All right. I am going to pull up a... Where's my share button? There's my share button. I'm going to pull up maybe... Where'd it go? Okay, I'm not going to pull that up. I'll tell you what, a number between each of you pick a number and say it out loud, and I have something assigned odd or even. Five. So, or it says five, then it says 46. 46 and five makes 51. That makes it odd. Elrod, you're first. Cool. All right. So I'm arguing why Reggie Bush should not get his Heisman back and why USC should not get their wins. Okay. We all remember that in 2005, for instance, for the Bush, the Bush push in, in South Bend, how epic that was. Notre Dame in their green jerseys, the Trojans coming in at night. That was the height of college football for me those years. And it was great. But at the core of this, it was all a lie. If you look at the just the conduct of, of USC and its players in the background and what they were doing at the time, it was they, they were bending the rules almost to the same level as SMU. And a lot of people are saying, well, NIL is current. Let's give let's give but let's give Reggie Bush a pass and let's give him his husband back. But if you look at the conduct that Reggie Bush engaged in back in 05, 06 with the paper play, even if he applied modern day rules, his some of his conduct would still be illegal with the autograph sign summons that he had with other stuff that he was engaged in at the time. So even if you apply the new rules back to USC and Reggie Bush, it's still illegal the conduct that they were engaged in. And they knew that they knew at the time the conduct was wrong. And they still turned a blind eye, Pete Carroll and that whole group turned a blind eye to the problem that they had with uh, their players and what they were engaged in. So no, Reggie Bush does not get a pass for the conduct that he engaged in simply because the conduct would still be illegal if you apply the modern day rules. I know USC wants their wins back, but you know, you can't turn a blind eye and be awarded. You just can't. Mr. Bennett, counterpoint. Okay, so he did break the rules at the time. That was the rule. He broke it. He was punished for it. This has been 16 years ago. This has been a long time ago. You got to think some of the stuff that he did – Granted, being illegal, I didn't really have a problem with. I do not have a problem with him signing autographs or making some money off himself. Think of how much money he made for USC. Think how much money he made for NCAA. Think of how much they exploited him because they, they plastered Reggie Bush on every highlight film. He was on cover of Sports Illustrated, cover of ESPN, cover on this. He was the cover boy, but he wasn't allowed to profit off of that. Why? That's kind of messed up in a way. So now that they've reversed course and said, oh, now you can profit off that, but you're still going to be punished, even though we've decided to change course. It's kind of like with some of these like old rules that existed like in the very early times of America that are still a law today, but they're completely stupid. Like um, what I found here is that swearing at a sports event in Massachusetts is illegal. Do you think people still do it? Yes. Is it illegal in Massachusetts? Yes, but people still do it. You're just like, okay, whatever. It's fine. You know, it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of showing that, okay, it's, it's not okay for people to make money off themselves, but now it is okay to make people off money off themselves. It doesn't create a straight line in the sand of where they stand. So I don't think it's right. It's been so long ago that half the kids today don't even remember Reggie Bush even playing. He's had a very short career in the NFL, a fairly short career in college because he was in and out. 
I don't know. I don't I don't see a problem in it. I don't know. Just give the man his Heisman. That's what I say. Very good points by both of you. Um, I had an opinion going in. Uh, neither of you – that really goes both ways, and neither of you swayed me too far either way. Uh, my thought is to – take away the Heisman and the wins in the first place is kind of stupid. Uh, I've always thought taking wins away is stupid. Like we don't remember them. Oh, you didn't win the national championship that year. Yeah, you did. We saw you do it. I mean, it, it's, you can't erase history by saying, ah, ah. Uh, you didn't see Reggie Bush hold up that trophy at the end of that ceremony. You didn't know. I've always thought stripping people of stuff is stupid. Um, it really does nothing. But with that said, stripping it in the first place was stupid. Um, but ultimately, I don't feel – I feel like if what they did was wrong at the time, um, then they should still be punished for it, even though that's a stupid punishment. Um, so I'm going to side with Elrod here in the end, uh, although – Bennett strong points and taking it away, you know, like Bennett said, I, he, you didn't care that he did all that. I didn't either. Nobody else did either. And to say that because he took a little bit of money off of his stardom means that he wasn't the best player in the country that year. And they weren't the best team in the country that year. Cause the record book doesn't reflect it um, is really just stupid to me, but all right, guys, we made it through one, one down. Five to go. Elrod will be presenting the next argument, and he will be presenting it right after this. And we are back. Well, we've we've went through our first appointed case. Elrod victorious in the first appointed case in the history of the show, and as his prize, he gets to judge the second one. So, Elrod, myself versus Bennett. What we got? Well, I would have seen both of you are old enough to remember Opryland, right? It's like the same. Y'all go to Opryland a lot when you were a kid? No, not a lot. Um, I, went a um, couple, I went a few times. Went a few times? Okay. Well, for those of you that are transplants of the state, back then we had Opryland. Now we have Dollywood. Now you have the older crowd that will always say that Opryland was better. A newer crowd that's really never been Opryland, or maybe they have been, some people say Dollywood's better. So you've got two titans, one still standing, the other, the other now is shopping mall. So here is the next argument on the docket. Dollywood versus Opryland. Which one is better? And right since you have been more to Opryland, I'm giving you the case of Opryland. And Bennett... I'm giving you Dollywood. So this is assuming Opryland was at its prime. Why is why is Opryland better than Dollywood and Bennett vice versa? And I have a number between one and twenty. Bennett, guess the number. Twenty-one. Twenty-one. Higher or lower? <laughs> lower. <laughs> uh. Lower. Okay. Okay. All right, I, I will just Seven. let you go first. I have totally tried this stuff. I, I have botched this, uh, right? Since since Opryland was first, I will let you go first too. So why is Opryland uh, better than Dollywood? Here's the thing. Um, it's been a long, long time since Opryland has been there. Uh, some folks now just refer it. To it, and, and for those of you, you said something about being transplants to the state. This podcast is not li limited to the state of Tennessee. We have listeners outside of the state of Tennessee that have no idea what we're talking about right now. But you know, guys, there's a great amusement park that was called Do or Opryland. Uh, I'll tell you how great it was, and then there's nothing you can do about it because it's been closed for how long now? Twenty five years. Um, but anyway. Uh, it's been a long, long time since I've been to Opryland because it's been a long, long time since Opryland was there. However, with that being said, Opryland was fantastic. And you've got to look at 
the way things were, Dollywood, uh, of course, Dolly Parton, uh, it, her one of her many thousand businesses she runs uh, up in East Tennessee in the Sevierville, Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg area. But you got to remember, in the time that Opryland was thriving, that in the mountain area of Sevierville, Pigeon Forge, it was popular, but it was nowhere near as popular as it is today. Uh, and as a matter of fact, there are people today where we live closer to Middle Tennessee that would that nowadays, if we want to go to a close amusement park, we'll drive east a couple hours and go to Dollywood. Well, they didn't do that then. They stayed in Middle Tennessee and they went to Opryland. And Opryland was all about uh, that country music tradition, really Music City, USA. Um, and I think one of the things, you know, we've talked about on the show before, uh, one of the best things that can help a an artist is if he, he or she dies. Um, I think what makes Opryland so fond of people to people is because it was ripped away from us, man. They just took it away. They put up a dadgum mall that was cool for like two years, and now somebody gets shot there every week. Um, they really, when you take away the fun that is Opryland, people die. The news has shown this over and over and over again. But here's here's my strongest point. The shows at Opryland topped all the shows at Dollywood. It, you've you got world-class country musicians there. They're a diamond dozen in Nashville. So they had their pick of the litter to come play these shows. The shows were great. The rides were great, and, and I'm just going off what I remember, which is not that much, which really hurts my argument here. Um, but I will say this. All the great rides that you're going to find at Dollywood right now were great rides at Opryland when they were both still in business before. So if you're talking about the rides and you pick Dollywood for the rides now, then you kind of pick Opryland. If you're going for the shows – Opryland was was the deal and for those of us this this argument may apply to only us right here as far as listeners to the show it may only apply to us three but if you're going for convenience of location uh it was Opryland so uh when you're saying both in their prime I think you gotta go Opryland all right Bennett why is it Dollywood well tell you why there's one answer and it's because of Dolly Dolly Parton herself. If you think of the most beloved man in Tennessee, it's probably a Peyton Manning. If you think the most beloved female in Tennessee, it's for sure Dolly Parton. One thing about Dollywood you have to consider is it is its location. You've got the Great Smoky Mountains, which is one of the top destination places in America. People from Texas, California, uh, wherever Vermont, everywhere across the nation, even out of country, come to East Tennessee to visit the Great Smoky Mountains. And what is the top attraction in the Smoky Mountains outside of probably the, the national park is Dollywood. That's where people go to. And that, it's not by coincidence, you know, ever since its opening whenever she bought Dollywood, I think it was Silver Dollar City before it was Dollywood. She bought it and she's put so much into it, her and her team. It's ever expanding. They're always finding ways to make it bigger, better, a more pleasurable experience. That's why you keep going back because every time, it seems like every time I go to Dollywood, there's something new that wasn't there last time I went. It also has a lot of history in too. So you have the new stuff, like the new attractions, or maybe a new uh, expo or something. But then you have all the stuff that you remember, like like the train ride. I have to take the train ride every time. There's a very historic train that you can ride. You can't just do that anywhere. You can't just get on an old train and ride around for 20 minutes. It has some other very unique characteristics that I'm not sure many other theme parks would have. I mean, think of the Eagle Sanctuary that they have there. You have a chance to get up close and personal with these eagles that can't actually be back into the wild you know, because, you know, maybe they were injured or they, you know, they've had some sort of ailment that keeps them from being in the wild, but they're, able, they're at the sanctuary inside Dollywood. That's really neat. 
Another thing, too, that Dollywood has that may not be specific to Dollywood, but I don't remember seeing it at Opryland, but then again, I didn't go so, so many times is it's always themed, you know, and if you go around Halloween time, they always have those pumpkins everywhere. It turns into, you know, like a, a spooky little adventure. You can, you can go to Dollywood around Halloween time, not ride any rides, and just walk around looking at all the pumpkins and the lights and have a huge time. And even Christmas time, too, you know, a lot of people go just for the Christmas lights. You don't even ride any of the rides at Dollywood. So you've got a lot of unique stuff that makes Dollywood really a one-of-a-kind attraction, not just in Tennessee, but in the U.S. So I kind of think it is Dollywood just for all of the uniqueness that it does have. All right. I will say this. From my time in Opryland, I remember the Wabash Cannonball, and I remember the Grizzly River Rampage, which you can now find at Dollywood. That was at Opryland. So here, and you brought up a very good point that I'm going to use against you, right? You said that death can sometimes be, or someone's death can make the heart grow fonder in terms of their memory. Opryland's biggest problem is Dollywood's biggest success. And Opryland never, they never, it's the same rides in the 80s for the same rides in the late 90s. They, ne they were never on the cutting edge like Dollywood is. They were never trying to reinvent themselves. It was the same park for basically 20 years. It grew stale, and they put a shopping mall there. Dollywood is always trying to be on the cutting edge of, of a new uh, roller coaster, a new attraction. Um, so Dolly, Dolly Parton is like the Eric Bischoff. If WCW actually put Vince McMahon out of business, she is on the cutting edge. You had Vince... The old guard, Opryland, Dolly takes this argument, and so does Mr. Bennett with Dollywood. So much wrong with that comparison. But um, I will say in defeat, uh, good call. And I hate you for giving me Opryland because I barely remember anything about Opryland. That was uh, me trying to turn uh, chicken poop into chicken salad with the limited memory I had. And I thought I gave a pretty good argument considering I do remember um, Opryland being first place ever had dipping Dots. Mm. So that's pretty special just for that alone. Yeah. Shout out to Rob Gall, who will probably never listen to this. <laughs> All sure, right, he Bennett. might. He might, he might All be. Right. All right, Bennett. Well, uh, we'll keep this going. You won that round, so now you get to be the judge. And uh, yeah, I'm the case appointer. So get to appointing, sir. I'm glad that I've got you two guys to battle this one out because I actually have a harassment case and you need to uh, defend your, uh, your person here, your defendant. Both of them, you're going to tell me why the other person is the harasser and why your guy is innocent, okay? Oh, so both of y'all graduated law school, so this will be perfect. All right, Elrod, I need you to tell me why – Wiley Coyote was not the harasser. And Rut, tell me why the Roadrunner is not the harasser. One of these guys is for sure the harasser, but I'm not sure who. Elrod, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to be honest with you. I did not watch Looney Tunes that much growing up. I'm a Space Jam guy, but I did not watch much Bugs Bunny, so I've already lost this argument. But for the sake of argument, I will say this. Wally Coyote did carry LeBron in the new Space Jam movie, by the way. Uh, he did carry him to victory. It, spoiler alert. I was about to uh, say spoiler alert. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> he scored like a 1,000 points. I mean, Wally Coyote is out here trying to make a live. And this pesky old chicken or rat or whatever this roadrunner road is, is always out going beat, 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 beat trying to cause all kinds of trouble. Here is a guy that's just trying to mind his own business out here. He And he is being pestered all the time by this roadrunner and his annoying beep, 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 beep. And I, I don't blame him. Wiley Coyote might have a vendetta against this roadrunner, but who wouldn't? 
who wouldn't under this uh, set of facts? It would drive anybody crazy hearing this stupid chicken or whatever it is running around all day long, beep, 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 beep. I mean, he, someone's got to hold him accountable. Somebody has to take a stand. Riley Cody is not out here harassing this chicken or whatever this thing is. He is trying to enjoy life. That's the best I got. Right, I thought for sure you would have watched Looney Tunes at some point in your life. Um, Other than Space Jam. Mm, was that disappointing? Very. <laughs> maybe I'm just that old. Golly. All right, Rut, tell me about this chicken. Why is he going beep beep? I could just say, based off of, of Michelle Rod's argument, that the defense rests uh, without even making an argument because there's a failure to state a claim here, obviously. Here's the thing. First of all, one is a coyote. It's a predator. It is something that destroys something. The other is a peaceful bird that happens to be really, really fast. Now, when you look at a peaceful bird and a carnivorous predator canine, you really want to tell me that the bird is the harasser? That the bird is the one? The bird should be terrified, and he is. Here's the thing. Wally Coyote is the harasser. He just is terrible at picking his targets. Because here's the thing, and Mr. Elrod says, oh, he's just trying to live his life. Yes, because throwing an anvil off a cliff is living your life. Um, trying to drop a bomb on someone is living your life. No, he's trying to kill this bird and he can't do it because he sucks at being that carnivorous predator that he is. But here's the thing. You want to talk about who's the harasser. Okay, maybe this bird gets on his nerves. But after the 273rd time you've tried to do something to this bird and you're unsuccessful, most people would just quit. They'd say, you know what? I can't do it. But he's such a harasser. He's such a bully. You want to know how to really get to a bully? Thwart their plan. And thwart their plan 846 times. And they're going to keep coming back. You know why? Because they don't know when to quit. You know why they don't know when they quit? Because they're a bully and they're a harasser. Is that even a word? They're committing harassment. Roadrunner is the one just living his life that literally has to run like a madman to keep from dying and outsmart this stupid coyote. Um, but obviously, the coyote is the one committing the harassment here. Well, Rutt, Rutt kind of, you kind of you kind of forced my hand. I'm, I'm going to have to go with Rutt just because he clearly he's seen the show. There's a good argument for Wiley Coyote there. Um, it's okay though. Go go watch go watch some uh some Roadrunner versus Wally Coyote, and maybe we'll touch on this topic again. But for now, I've got to give it to Rudd. Right. Well, Since Jim, you got the win, I will let you go. I was about to say we're, we're three in, and each of us has a win. Uh, so on the back half of this program. Let's see if somebody can pull away, but it won't be me on this one because I'm not arguing. But here is our next topic. And it's a hot topic. It's been a hot topic of debate for nearly 20 years now, at least 15. And it's one that I've been trying to find a way to work it into the show somehow. Didn't know if we could ever do a full show on it, but we don't have to do a full show on it. We're going to have to do it here. But we, we got this is the perfect format for it. One of the most polarizing bands of all time is Nickelback. Mm. And there are two different thoughts on the band Nickelback, two polar opposite thoughts. And there aren't many people that think right here in the middle. There are those that view Nickelback as a very talented band a very good band. And if you look at their numbers, you look at how much money they've made. It's hard to argue that point, but there are an awful lot of people out there that will tell you just how overrated and awful. And they can't stand Nickelback. As a matter of fact, myself and Mr. Elrod used to work 
um, in our college days, we were DJs for the college radio station. And we were told by the program director of the radio station, you can play whatever you want except Nickelback. Um, so that's kind of the rap they've got. So it really comes down to this. Is Nickelback overrated or is Nickelback disrespected? And when it really boils down to what I want to know, gentlemen, is does Nickelback really suck or are they actually good? Arguing the side today that Nickelback sucks and they are overrated will be argued by Mr. Elrod. And arguing the fact that is Nickelback disrespected and are actually a pretty good band will be Mr. Bennett. And this time I should have this queued up correctly i believe i do all right i'm going to click this button this coin's going to flip if it's heads elrod goes first if it's tails bennett goes first it is tails mr bennett the floor is yours okay i i, I get why people say that because a lot of people aren't fans of their music but just because you're not a fan of their music doesn't mean that they suck. It doesn't mean that they should be called overrated. Think of how many bands try to make it and never make it. Plenty. There's a lot of good bands that I've listened to that I thought were great, and they never even got close to any kind of superstardom. Nickelback has achieved superstardom. They're on the radio. They had, you know, platinum albums sold. They had a huge album I guess I was like a freshman or sophomore. I can't remember the name of the album. All the right, but it's huge. Is that what? Yeah, I mean, that was a huge album. And you know, even if you hate them or you like them, everybody knows who they are. But you know the songs. You probably know the songs word for word. So that doesn't sound like a band that would suck. Just because maybe you don't like that particular music, I don't understand it. It is kind of weird how they get this bad rap, but it's definitely it's definitely disrespect on Nickelback. Oh, Ron, why do they suck? Right, I'll just be frank. Nickelback is a victim of their own hype and their own apparent success. And Nickelback came at a time when there was pretty much a vacuum in alternate rock and the rock genre in general. 2002, 2007, not a whole lot of activity. Coming out of the 90s, you had bands like Nirvana. You had the Chili Peppers. You had those types of bands. And Nickelback was kind of marketed as the next great band. But nobody with a straight face can look into this camera and say that Nickelback is in the same league as Nirvana or the Chili Peppers, for that matter. Way too mainstream. Hearing them, uh, uh, 107.5 River, going to their concerts and seeing a lot of young girls, like young teenage girls, it's basically pre-Taylor Swift crowd that you see at a Nickelback concert. You don't see... This was was alternative rock trying to become mainstream pop, and and it succeeded. Nickelback basically killed a genre. They killed Alternate Rock, and it still hasn't recovered today. Um, total, total disaster. Music, not that good. Had maybe five or six really good songs. Outside of that, nothing. Nothing. Too mainstream. And the comparisons that some of their folks made, oh, they're just this generation's Nirvana. Are, are you kidding me? Are, are you really kidding me? Can you, can you honestly say that with a straight face? So total garbage. Never mind. I listened to their album on the way home today. So don't, we won't talk about that. But, yeah. I just want to clarify something. Are you saying Red Hot Chili Peppers weren't mainstream? No, I'm saying. You said Nickelback. Are, are you saying to, they were more main or less mainstream than Nickelback? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that Nickelback was marketed as this next great band, and, and, and they're not Nirvana. They're not the Chili Peppers. They don't have that unique sound. They're just so them. I mean, they're so Nickelback. 
Well, once again, gentlemen, I came into this with uh, a strong stance on this. Um, and you both make great arguments, but my stance remains the same. And, and I'll go ahead. Here's my little TED talk. Nickelback was the victim of radio. And not in the sense of radio wouldn't play their songs like so many bands are victim to radio. Nickelback was victim to an era of putting out a couple songs that were what radio wanted that everybody hated, supposedly. You've got those songs, they're slower songs that got played 8 million times and everybody got tired of hearing them. And they said, oh, Nickelback sucks. I'm tired of these girly songs. That, But guess what? Girly songs made radio a lot of money. And Nickelback played that up. They put out the girly songs. But if you've ever listened to a Nickelback album, especially their first couple albums, this is not a popular point to make to a lot of people. Nickelback's pretty dang good. Maybe maybe they're overhyped. May, I'll, I'll give you that, Elrod. Maybe they are a little overhyped. I don't consider them a generational band. But Nickelback was pretty dang good and had some really good albums. And a lot of them, I would say probably, with the exception of one, four of my top five favorite Nickelback songs, never saw that much radio play. Um, their best songs, the radio songs were the ones that sucked. They, I mean, they didn't necessarily suck, but that's why they got the rap. Nickelback's a good band, and if you've ever seen Nickelback live, as myself and Mr. Bennett have, they're pretty dang good. Um, so I will, and I think Elrod even agrees with this, judging by some context clues here. I'm going to side with Bennett, and I'm going to say Nickelback is actually a good band, although I do agree with Elrod in the sense that not as – they're not a generational band. They were overhyped in that sense, but their music, when you look at their music that wasn't played on the radio, they were really dang good. So, hey, I'm okay with that. Like I said, I listened to their album, The Way Home Days. So, all right. All right. You lost that one, but we're going to let you go next anyway. Um, so Bennett with two wins here. Just keep in mind, if you give Bennett this win, he wins the show. We oh, no. Okay. So we uh, had pitched this next one as for a full show, but I think we can make it to a short little segment here. For our Alabama fans that might listen or watch our show, there is a big debate uh, among Alabama fans and even among college football fans in general. Who is who – is, I guess we all can agree that the best two college football coaches of all time – Hail from Alabama. You've got Nick Saban. Oh, oh, this, okay. I, I, Mr. Bobby I Bowden disagrees down here. <laughs> well, Count the majority wins. of college football fans, I should say. Maybe not Florida State fans. Nick Saban or Paul Bear Bryant. So my, my, my case is this. Who is the better football coach historically? Is it Nick Saban or is it Paul Bear Bryant? Right, I'm giving you Nick Saban. Bennett, I'm giving you Paul Bear Bryant. And I will let you go first, Bennett, because Paul Bear Bryant started the tradition there at Alabama of national championships. He came first, so I'll let you go first. Why is it Paul Bear Bryant? Well, admittedly, I haven't really been a huge follower of Alabama anything, especially Alabama football. So I do, you know, being a sports fan, I do know a little bit about Bear Bryant. Um, maybe not as much as I do know about some other coaches, maybe like a, like a Bobby Bowden, you know, somebody that's got the most collegiate wins. But Or maybe a Joe Paterno, but we won't talk about him. Um, what I do know about Bear Bryant is one thing that you – that you had said, you know, it's tradition, started the tradition, started a winning tradition. I don't know a whole lot about Alabama's history before Bear Bryant, but I do know that when he came along, you know, they really became a powerhouse team with the championships that they won 
and those championships that they won, you know, that prestige carried them over, you know, for several, several years until um, Nick Saban came along. But one thing that Nick Saban has never had and where I think he really falls short is that Bear Bryant has had some of the greatest football players ever. You've got um, Bart Starr, for example. You have a, a kick returner in Forrest Gump. <laughs> there it is. He was, a, he was an All-American, I might add. So, you know, he, Bear Bryant was able to get these talents like your Bart Stars and your, and your Forrest Gumps to come to the program and build it up, build up that tradition to what Alabama football is today. I would argue that Alabama wouldn't be where they're at now and they wouldn't enjoy the success that they have and they would not have the name where these young athletes want to come to Alabama if it wasn't for Bear Bryant and him laying down the foundation for Alabama football. And that's all I got to say about that. I love it. You know, that was not intentional, giving him Paul Bear Bryant with Forrest Gut reference, but it worked out quite well. So, right, why is it tricky Nick Saban? Should have just said it was intentional because I thought it was, and I thought you set him up beautifully. And I, I snipped was, it right out. I was just waiting for it. Um, that's why I laughed immediately when Bennett started talking. But anyway, here's the deal. And I'm not using this opportunity to take shots. I'm using this opportunity to make a point. The University of Tennessee women's basketball program dominated until other schools caught up. Uh, And once other schools caught up, they haven't won anything in 20 years. Um, When Bear Bryant was coaching, Bear Bryant was successful at Kentucky for crying out loud, uh, went on Alabama to be fantastic, <clears throat> but nobody else had caught up yet. It's not like he was out here, uh, playing the urban Myers of the world, uh, like Nick Saban has been. And, and if we're talking about who was the better guy, probably neither one of them, uh, because from what I hear, they're both kind of douchebags, which, you know, fits perfectly into that Alabama roll tide culture there. Um, but here's the thing. When you look at the greatest coaches uh, to coach, a lot of them are modern day. And that's because of just the way things progress. Uh, everybody's on a more even level now. Um, and he, despite all that, Nick Saban has continued to be elite. And in coaching, like, I think half the seasons that Bear Bryant coached, um, Nick Saban has as many national championships as Bear Bryant does and not as many that are disputed uh, as Bear Bryant has. Uh, A couple of those are disputed. And here's the thing. Between the two guys, only one of them has ever had a losing season as a head coach, and that was Bear Bryant. Nick Saban's never had a losing season as a head coach anywhere. Michigan State. LSU, Alabama, we're not counting the Miami Dolphins. Uh, At the college level, he never has. Both historically great, but Saban has put up an equal amount, if not better, against much, much better competition. Um, I hate to say it, I would rather not pick Nick Saban in any argument, but since you assigned me this case, I'm going to say Nick Saban. Remember, when he was coaching the Miami Dolphins, he says, I will not be the Alabama football coach. Six days later, hey, guys, I'm here in Tuscaloosa. I'm the Alabama football coach. But there's been many times during Nick Saban's tenure that you think that Alabama's done, that that they've finally been caught up to. Johnny Manziel. Everybody thought Johnny Manziel was a moment that the college football caught up to Nick Saban. Then Clemson came along. Finally, Dabo is going to turn the tide. And he did for a while, but Nick Saban always adapts, it seems like. And he always adjusts his offense or his defense. So I think the competition uh, puts this in Nick Saban's favor over the top. Uh, just much more competition and how he has equal number of national championships with far fewer seasons. So Nick Saban, 
Tip carries this one, and victory goes to Rut. All I can say is 4-0 Dabo still thinks there's nine planets. Shout out to uh, Steve Spurrier, who may not be the greatest coach of all time, but he's dang sure the best interview of all time. So, Thanks, Steve Spurrier's listening to this. Uh, that would be the most incredible thing ever. Here, I'll, I'll flip a story in here. Uh, it ties in. We're talking about Alabama. I once dated a girl. I dated a girl whose mom's boss was a huge Alabama fan. I know that's uh, my uncle's cousin's third wife, whatever. Uh, but he was a cool guy. He liked to golf a lot. You know who else likes to golf a lot? Steve Spurrier. Uh, he was playing a golf course one time, and Steve Spurrier was on the golf course. Um, and they were going to let Spurrier and his party play through, and he was wearing an Alabama shirt. And this was – uh, this was Alabama in the late nineties, the not so good Alabamas. Uh, and Steve Spurrier looked over at him and said, Alabama, how's that working out for you? And then just drove off. <laughs> <from> the <golf laughs> court. I, I read an article today that Steve Spurrier is the preferred choice for ESPN. If Lee Corso ever retires to go into his spot, I think he would do fantastic. Oh, he would be fantastic. Absolutely. He would piss a lot of people off, but he would be fantastic. He would. He would. He would. All right. He's good kids. Isn't it? All Last right. topic so, of the day. So, I've been keeping up. We've talked about sports. We've talked about theme parks. we talked about a little bit about TV, not so much. And we talked about music. One thing that we do talk about on this show from time to time that we haven't talked about yet is food. So this will be a food-related question, sort of, kind of. And you, you, you guys are actually going to help me out here. I'm in the market for a grill, but I'm torn. Do I want to get a charcoal grill or a gas grill? Right? You will argue that I should get a charcoal grill and... Sarah Elrod, you will argue that I need to get a, a gas grill. And since I had Elrod go first last time, Rut, he'll go first this time. Mr. Bennett, you're a man, correct? Is that correct? Last time I checked. You are a man, and men use charcoal. Um, you know, you could take the easy route and go with the gas and you got to go by, but there's nothing more manly than getting that charcoal out and you dump it in your grill and you take your lighter and it doesn't work and you get pissed off and you cuss and you have to try it eight times, but that's what makes when you get it going so great. Real men use charcoal and let's be honest, a burger on a charcoal grill Tastes so much better than a burger on a gas grill. Do you want to eat gas? Because that's what you're doing. You're eating gas uh, when, when you eat off gas grill. So, yeah, you can push a button. You can also fry it on a stove. You can also throw it in a the microwave. There are easier ways to do it than charcoal. But are you going for ease or are you going for quality? And are you going for being a man? Men use charcoal. It's the only way to go because what better, you know, if you eat something and it tastes okay and you did nothing really special to do it, okay, your hunger is, is satisfied. But that's about all you got. But when you eat that juicy, fresh, charcoal-cooked burger that you had to work for because the wind was blowing and it pissed you off, and you finally got it going, and you put all that work and effort in, and then you get to bite into that delicious burger, not only is your hunger satisfied, you, my friend, are satisfied because you've accomplished something, and that deserves a Barry Horowitz pat on the back, and you will always be more satisfied and feel like a man using your charcoal grill. You know, two two things real quick. Um, number one, I do agree that a burger's pretty tasty on a charcoal grill. And number two, I'm if my memory serves right, I think I've seen you before try to light a charcoal grill and get pissed off and yell at it because it would not light. 
I do think I've seen that once speak, or twice in my days. I speak from experience. And another thing, yeah. I, I'm a fat guy. I'm I'm like basically qualified as an expert on the topic. There you go. All right, Elrod, tell me why I should go with the gas grill. Well, Rod just won it for me. Yeah, let's talk about the first thing, convenience. Uh, there's nothing worse than being hangry. You want to eat now. You don't want to eat later. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to go up home and go all cast away on your charcoal grill. You don't want to have to try to start a fire for hours. It's So you're, you're up in the ante on how mad you are and how hangry you are. I'm cheap. I'm cheap. Sometimes I'm cheap. Sometimes I'm not. Men are cheaper than women. Gas is cheaper than charcoal. You got that going for you. Look it up. Gas grills are, are easier to clean. I don't want to cook a meal and spend the next two hours cleaning out my charcoal grill. Gas grills are very easy to clean. Let's look at if you want to grill a nice steak. It's very hard on a charcoal grill to get it just right like you would at like a J. Alexander's or a place like that or Outback. With a gas grill and all the different functions it has, you can set it to whatever preference that you want and not have to fight with the steak that's on the grill. So you've got... You've got convenience, you've got cost, you've got easier to clean, and you've got, uh, and it usually comes with a lot more gadgets than a charcoal grill. you got side pockets, side adjustments that you can put on the grill. So cheaper, cleaner, and you're not having to fight your food for hours and then clean the grill for hours. This is a no-brainer. You know, on one hand, I think that hot dog or hamburger definitely tastes better with charcoal you get that smokiness from it and you can even get different kinds of charcoal you know that does different little things it is more expensive i believe aside for gas it is definitely more convenient you know i've got a wife that gets angry and i've got one kid already that gets super impatient wants to eat i've got another on the way he'll be right there soon so when they're hungry i don't really have a lot of time to be trying to fight with this thing and I do like the convenience too of you know you you literally just hit the button and uh, it fires right up so do I want the taste I want the convenience the side pockets don't really matter to me I'm not really worried about side pockets so much I, I've got my own pockets let's put it in my pocket um Mm. You know, just just being a, a family person and have a family man, a dad, I feel like it's going to be a little bit safer and more beneficial to me to go with a gas grill. Elrod, you've convinced me I'm going to go to gas grill. If you want convenience, go eat out somewhere. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Go to, uh, was it Texas Roadhouse? Mm. Man, they got good steak. Man. We waited an hour and a half, but it was good. I was going to say, there's, for those listening, we're, the town we live in, the town me and Mr. Bennett live in, we've had a Texas Roadhouse, what, four or five months now? My wife, yeah, been maybe. Talking, my wife's been talking that place up since six months before it opened. She couldn't wait to go, and we're going to go. And on this day, we're going to go. The thing been open five months. We ain't been yet. So, uh, yeah. Better get on the waiting list. <laughs> yeah, you might, you might get it in five months. So. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's volume one of uh, our Pointy Cases episode. How, how are we feeling about it? What was the final tally? Was it two, two, two? It was. That's mm. boring. No. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to call something on the fly here. I'm going to bow out of this competition. But one of you is going to win. 
Um, I bought this deck of cards uh, back when Mr. Anderson had been on the show a couple times and we were doing the Would You Rather games. And we'll have him back sometime, but they've just been sitting on my desk. Uh, and we haven't used them. He hadn't been on in a little while. We need to get with him and get him back on. Um, but this is a deck of cards uh, of Would You Rather questions. So I'm going to pull one at random. I'm going to assign the two sides as at random. And one of you two will be declared the winner of our first appointed cases episode. I'll bow out of this one just to have a winner. So shuffling the deck. And I will pull Elrod, pull from the top, pull from the bottom, pull from the middle. Bottom. 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 All right. Would you rather have no eyebrows or have an extra finger? Mr. Elrod, you will be arguing that you would rather have no eyebrows. Bennett, you'll be arguing you would rather have an extra finger and go. So I'm arguing, I'm not arguing. Which one am I arguing again? You're arguing that you would no rather eyebrows. have no eyebrows than have an extra finger. Oh, okay. What is the purpose of eyebrows? Do we really even know? We... Yeah. <laughs> this is Jerry Steinfeld bit. What's the deal with eyebrows? <laughs> Overrated is the word that, that I'm using. I see plenty of people out here with no eyebrows, or appears to have no eyebrows. I mean, it's, it's all a joke. I mean, overrated. Just purely and simple. I mean, right now I see fine. I have no eyebrows. I'm covering up my eyebrows and I'm fine right now. I mean, you can live without it. There you go. You realize how much bigger your head would look with no eyebrows? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty massive to begin with. But Bennett, why would you rather have an extra finger? You know, uh, I was waiting for Elrod, and that was perfect for you. I was waiting for you to drop a joshua dobbs reference but you you didn't <laughs> you know people love him and i could I've, I've never seen i've never seen him i'm sure they're there but I just can't see him here's the thing when when you have an extra finger you you kind of have an advantage you know we're all men we do things a certain way and my wife likes to go to walmart spend all of our money on groceries and i really don't want to go make multiple trips to and from climbing up our stairs, dropping off the uh, groceries, going back out to the car, climbing up the stairs again. You know, you use every single digit you have on your hands to try to get that extra little bit of grocery bags in. If you have an extra finger, you know, that might save you a trip. You can just clamp it on that extra finger and you're good to go. Another thing, too, right? You like playing video games. I know you're an avid video game player, probably the biggest of us three. I could see where having an extra finger could definitely help you gain an upper advantage. And um, especially if you're doing like a one-on-one a -on -one versus somebody else, you have that extra digit. You can get in. Your combo's better. You can um, – definitely have an advantage especially too if you were like at a, i guess people don't really go to arcades so much but you know they had like the arcade game where all your buttons were out there on the side you have that extra finger like you can hit all of them boom easy you know and i feel like something like an extra finger is probably something that you could hide a little bit easier than not having any eyebrows because when you first meet somebody first thing you're gonna look at is their face you know are they sketched do they look weird i've never went around looking like hey man has he got an extra finger is he missing a finger what's wrong what's up with his hands so i feel like if you have an extra finger it's not as big of a deal it's not having eyebrows i will agree with mr bennett although i am disappointed you didn't bring it up famous baseball who was, the, who was the florida marlins closer that had six fingers you would you that? let me speak if you'd oh. let me finish the sentence i had just started as I was saying, I am a little disappointed, Mr. Bennett, you did not bring up Antonio Alfonseca. 
mm-hmm. who was a major league pitcher who had six fingers. And honestly, let's be honest, he had 129 saves because I just looked it up. I didn't know that stat off the top of my head. He had 129 saves in his career. I think he has 86 max if he only has five fingers. Uh, Should he get an asterisk beside those because he had an advantage? I mean, yeah, he had performance enhancement. He's the only player in Major League Baseball history that could throw a six finger fastball. Um, so uh, it's definitely I totally an stole your thunder. Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah, I missed I missed the ball on that one. All right, bad luck of the draw, but it's your fault. You told me to draw from the bottom. Our winner of the first ever appointed cases episode is Mr. Bennett. Hmm. So congratulations. Totally stole your thunder, right? On that. Totally stole your thunder. You did. And it'd be one thing if it was on my mind, but I had already started the sentence and you interrupted me uh, to uh, throw that out there. So uh, you deserve that, sir. I did. I deserved it. All right, guys. Well, that'll wrap up Appointed Cases, Volume 1. Let us know what you thought about it. Do you like this concept? If you like it, uh, we'll, we'll might pull it out again sometime. Uh, I personally kind of enjoyed it. I think it went better than it uh, could have went. It could have been a complete disaster, and I think uh, all of us are pretty good at uh, turning chicken poop and chicken salad enough that we can at least, even when our argument had no chance, we at least uh, made it somewhat interesting. Uh, so I, I think we did. I think it was. I think it went pretty well. Would you agree? I did, no, I would agree. Yeah. I'm ready to defend my title. All right. Bennett's going to put that strap on the line, and we'll bring you another one of these uh, sometime in the near future. In the even nearer future, we will be back next week with episode 62. As a vast majority of the time, eh, we don't know what that's going to be yet, uh, but we're sure it'll be something entertaining, hopefully. Uh, But there's only one way to find out, and that's to come back and check us out. Remember to hit the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Check out the YouTube, subscribe, leave comments, likes, all that, especially on your podcast platform. Five-star reviews. Help us out. Uh, Get us some sponsors. Get us some money. That's what we're looking for. We're only in this for the money. And if that were true, this would have been a failed venture a long time ago. Uh, So uh, any parting words, gentlemen? I didn't get scut tonight. I've won two matches, so I'm going in the right direction. You know, this episode was so different than any of our other episodes we've done. I'm going to have to put this up here towards one of my top favorite episodes we've ever had. And you got the Force Gump reference in. So, uh, this I is, did. It's been a while. It's been its Thank ideal you, episode. It's his favorite, and he got a Force Gump reference in. As long as you hit those oh. two check boxes, Bennett's happy with the episode. So, uh, uh, we hope that you're happy with it too. Uh, We'll see you guys next week. And until then, peace.